It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, folks. This is the masked wrestling fan with another. Uh, discussion of unsung wrestling heroes and on this uh, discussion we're going to be talking about none other than uh, Paul Roma now some of you uh, fans might have uh, younger fans might have heard about Paul Roma he was part of uh, the four horsemen in uh, WCW at one point uh, prior to that he was in a tag team uh, very uh, under uh, used in my opinion tag team power and glory along with the great Hercules. But he's done a lot of other things in professional wrestling. Now, uh, Paul Roma first started appearing on the scene in the old uh, World Wrestling Federation days. He was a very muscular young man. Uh, not particularly tall. I think Paul ranged between five foot, 10 inch and uh, six feet during his career. But very muscular Certainly caught the eye of some of the representatives over at the uh, old World Wrestling Federation. And he uh, wrestled preliminary matches for, uh, for a time, uh, often losing. Uh, High-profile uh, stars like Paul and Lister Wonderful Orndorff and others would defeat him at the, the house show circuit and sometimes on television. But Paul must have been doing something right. He was put into a tag team with uh, Special Delivery Jones, S.D. Jones, you might recall, uh, lost to King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania 1 in six seconds. Also, S.D. Jones was, I believe, the second WWF wrestler to have two uh, LJN action figures after him. The first being Andre the Giant, who had the long hair and the short hair versions of the Andre. Well, S.D. Jones had his traditional red trunks, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania look, and also his Antigua and the, S and the West Islands look, uh, his tropical look. So SD, although he, he did lose his share of matches, he was also kind of well-revered and well-liked. And they put SD Jones and they put uh, Paul Roma together in a tag team and sent him overseas. And this is going way back to the mid-'80s. There's not a lot of records of these uh, matches or events. But before the days of the current WWE during their Saudi Arabian uh, shows. Uh, they were doing these type of uh, performances over there in the Middle East at that time as well. So very interesting that at the time, S.D. Jones and Paul Roma as a tag team were, were really making some traction. Now, unfortunately for them, uh, those wins did not uh, translate to much success in the United States. Now, uh, maybe a year or so later, 
Paul Roma found himself being teamed up with a young, another young comer, uh, Jimmy Powers. Similar look, similar build. Apparently, the two did not get along too well outside the ring, but uh, inside the ring, they seemed to have quite the chemistry. They looked like a well-oiled machine, quite literally. And uh, they actually had a string of victories. Uh, they defeated, uh, I believe, the tag team champions at the time, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart, the Hart Foundation, which uh, Jimmy Hart defeated them in a non-title match. Uh, I believe they started using uh, some really good music uh, for their for their for their uh, theme song, and I believe they even stole uh, Jimmy Hart's music. So they they were quite the young uh, pretty boy tag team. And they probably had their biggest victory at Survivor Series 1987, where they uh, there was a two teams uh, consisting of five tag teams each. So a 10-on-10 match, really a huge match. You had all these big tag teams of the time, uh, the newly formed Demolition, the Hart Foundation, the, I believe the British Bulldogs were in there, the Rougeos. Huge tag team, five-on-five. Five. And on the, uh, what they call the babyface side, the good guy side. Uh, it came down to uh, the Killer Bees, Jumpin' Jim Brunzil and B. Brian Blair, <clears throat> were sharing the victory with none other than Paul Roma and Jimmy Powers. So pretty impressive. Uh, unfortunately, I guess their behind-the-scenes uh, disagreements and so forth eventually carried over. The team The team was split up. Both men got put back into kind of a opening match, mid-card match, type situations, until a very fateful opportunity happened. Paul Roma and, and Hercules found themselves in a bit of a disagreement with none other than the Rockers, uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Kind of an interesting way they did things, but these four men could not get along, and uh, the established team of the Rockers were challenged by the new team of uh, what they called Power and Glory, Hercules and Paul Roma, managed by... Uh, the good doctor of style, Slick, at uh, SummerSlam, okay? I want to say it was SummerSlam 1990. And uh, quite impressively, uh, the Power and Glory pulled off a big upset. They uh, actually beat the Rockers at that show. So the, the this tag team had quite a bit of momentum, and they really seemed like they had great chemistry, much more chemistry than Paul had shown with uh, prior tag team partners like... Uh, like Jimmy Powers, and Hercules seemed to have a, a fresh uh, fresh look on life. It was very exciting for the team, and they also had a very good finishing maneuver where Hercules would deliver a superplex of the uh, fallen opponent into the middle of the ring, and at the same time, Paul Romo would already be launching himself for a, a body press onto the prone opponent on the mat. A uh, very devastating move by Power and Glory, okay? Unfortunately for these gentlemen, uh, their team hit a bit of a rocky road, uh, speaking of ice cream, when uh, they were uh, suffering through injuries but still had a big grudge match against the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, scheduled for WrestleMania 7. And uh, with all those injuries, Paul Roma still uh, suffered the fate of uh, that flying clothesline off the shoulders of Animal by Hawk and uh, was pinned. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that match, which uh, collects in, and it's just under a minute. I believe it's 59 seconds is the official time. 
probably the best one-minute match you'll ever see. And I don't mean that disparagingly or humorously. I just think it was a very good match uh, for being a one-minute match. And like I said, both men, Hercules and Paul, were severely injured. So credit to them for even being there in the first place. And it's not like that's uh, the Shawn Michaels who stubs his toe and can't defend the title. Well, that's another point for another time. Uh, moving forth, the team was kind of disbanded. Uh, Hercules left the area, left the territory, ended up over at WCW, oddly enough, under a, a mask of some kind. Uh, looked more like a lady's pantyhose. And he wrestled as, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to give away his identity. Our masked men always keep the identity of our brethren secret. Moving forth, uh, Paul Roma kind of just sat around uh, the old uh, WWF for a little while, and then he, he basically left. And uh, that was the end, uh, more or less, of his WWF tenure. Uh, then he shows up over in uh, World Championship Wrestling, Slamboree 93, Legends Reunion, and they had promoted this... Uh, Reunion of the Four Horsemen, uh, Telly Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Ric Flair. They had promoted this for weeks leading up to this pay-per-view. And unfortunately, uh, negotiations between uh, WCW, I don't know if it was uh, Jim Hurd or someone else at that point, but it fell through with Telly Blanchard. They could not agree to an agreement. And uh, the Horsemen were left with an open spot, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, Ole Anderson apparently uh, picked up the phone, and he called Paul Roma, and he offered him the position, and he, and Paul took it, but it ultimately uh, was not a good fit in the eyes of the fans. Now, I, I tend to think that it wasn't just Paul's fault. Uh, first off, uh, once Ole appeared at that Slamboree 93, uh, he was done. He did not wrestle any matches in that 1993 era of the Four Horsemen. So basically, you had three horsemen. You had Paul Roma, Ric Flair, and Arn Anderson. And with the uh, <clears throat> notable exception of Fifi the Maid, uh, you really had no, no manager or valet, as we used to call the women managers. Uh, we had nothing like that. Uh, for this version of this incarnation of the Four Horsemen. So it was pretty disappointing. However, during that time, uh, Ric Flair was still able to win the, the World Heavyweight Championship of some kind, uh, defeating what was the NWA title, defeating Paul, uh, defeating Barry Windham for that NWA World title, I believe, at Beach Blast 93. Uh, Windham had injured uh, his knee in that match, and Flair took advantage of the figure four. <clears throat> for pinfall by a figure four victory. Meanwhile, uh, Paul Roma and uh, Arn Anderson, and the other two members of the Three Horsemen of sorts, uh, were teaming up the feud with a team of the Hollywood Blondes, uh, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. And that kind of accumulated not till I believe, September, when uh, Arn and Roma uh, challenged the Hollywood Blondes of the Clash of Champions for the tag team title. Unfortunately, uh, Steve Austin had been injured and was replaced by Lord Stephen Regal. And Stephen Regal was kind of put in a tough spot. Uh, he was new to the territory, but uh, him and Mr. Pillman ended up losing the, the, the match and the titles on behalf of the Hollywood Blondes. And Roma and Arn now were the uh, WCW World Tag Team Champions, but somewhat controversial because they had not defeated the full championship team. And... Uh, 
it just it just seemed like they couldn't get quite off the ground. Although they they did have the tag team title, and Roma, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, this was his first World Tag Team Championship, 1993, after uh, being around the business for almost 10 years. Uh, eventually, that fit of Paul Roma and the Four Horsemen did not. It proved to not be very uh, good, and uh, Paul turned on his partner, Arn Anderson, uh, made a switch, so to speak, and then he uh, showed up as the new partner of Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, as a man, one of the men who had defeated him so many times in the old WWF uh, territory years earlier. So now you have this new tag team, uh, kind of a bad guy team of Paul Roma and, and Paul Orndorff, the Pauls. Uh, but they were actually called Pretty Wonderful. And they had a good a good friend of mine, a colleague, Jody, excuse me, the assassin, uh, in their corner. The assassin. You might want to edit that. But uh, this team, Pretty Wonderful, Orndorff and Romo, really had a good look together. Kind of a an older veteran, uh, Mr. Wonderful, and kind of a younger veteran at that point, Paul Romo. Really good team. Paul had grown his hair out quite a bit. Looked good. And... Uh, they were able to win two tag team championships, and uh, they feuded quite a bit with a team, I believe, of uh, Stars and Stripes, which was uh, Marcus, Ag Marcus Alexander Bagwell and the, the Patriots, another masked gentleman. So, very exciting times. Eventually, uh, pretty wonderful. Uh, I think they could have stayed together longer, in my opinion. Uh, however... Uh, they were kind of, uh, once they had lost the titles, they were kind of pushed down a few ranks. And a very controversial uh, situation involving uh, Mr. Roma. I believe it was at uh, a pay-per-view for WCW early 1995 in Baltimore. I believe the pay-per-view was Super Bowl Five. So I think this is January or February, early February, late January, 1995, Baltimore Arena. They put, uh, they put Paul Roman in a singles match against uh, Alex Wright from Germany. And, uh, and uh, for whatever reason, they wanted Paul to kind of make this kid look good. But uh, Paul made himself look really good. And he was very good. One of the best flying elbow drops you might ever see in a wrestling match was that Super Brawl 5. Paul Roma devastatingly dropping an elbow on the... Alex Wright. Yet somehow, uh, Alex Wright was able to win this match, and uh, apparently Paul did not uh, was not treated very well after that match, and uh, was let go. And that's unfortunate. Uh, Paul Orndorff actually made his way to ringside during that affair and watched the match, but it uh, didn't do Mr. Roma much good, as he was uh, released, which kind of sad. I'm trying to trying to just. Uh, I mean, there's so many good wrestling talents that don't get treated well by these uh, rotten promoters, okay? Apparently, uh, a couple of years later, Paul was able to get a uh, couple of tryout matches back with the old uh, WWF. A couple of dark matches. They took another look at him. Uh, but uh, I, I think he probably would have fit in well for that Attitude Era of WWF uh, uh, programming. However, he was not uh, signed uh, to wrestle, and from what I understand, you know, for the last 20 or so years, Paul Roma has 
done various business activities and including running his own wrestling school up there in uh, Connecticut. From what I understand, he's quite a good trainer of, of young talents. Uh, never, he seemed like one of these type of guys that just his will was strong and he was not willing uh, to play the game uh, of wrestling, so to speak, with these uh, promoters, not willing to uh, cajole their egos or to, you know, he was a one-bedroom uh, one type of guy, if you understand what I'm saying. Paul Roma uh, was just a, a, a real man's man, did not want to put up with any shenanigans and uh, just was not going to get pushed around by these guys. He also did a stint, interestingly, somewhere in, that, somewhere in that career of his, I think in between his WWF and WCW runs, around 1990, 1991, he actually had a, a short-lived boxing career, which I think he just had a few fights. I believe his record might have been two, or two wins, one loss, something like that. But uh, just the fact that he was kind of ahead of his time as a multi-ring sport athlete, I mean, you talk about your Kurt Angles, your Brock uh, individuals, your uh, Shamrocks, but uh, kind of ahead of his time, uh, Paul Roma was boxing as well as wrestling. So people often talk about Paul Roma. A lot of times for uh, certain fans in, in my neck of the woods, uh, they talk about his time with the Four Horsemen. Uh, I think other fans might genuine flect on... Uh, Power and glory as a highlight. I tend to think that his uh, best days, uh, championship-wise and, and even in-ring-wise, was in fact that uh, tenure with Paul Orndorff. I feel like uh, Paul really had come into his own. Uh, he was kind of at his career peak, uh, both physically uh, and emotionally. He just seemed to be on all cylinders. I would say a close number two, of course, would be the Power and Glory team. Uh, but, you know, just a guy as an unsung hero from the mid-80s until the kind of the mid-90s almost. Uh, you got to say that Paul Orndorff was one of these guys uh, that did his job, wrestled well, performed well, uh, you know, did his part in his career for success. And for whatever reason, uh, the promoters or uh, – the, th the chips just did not fall on the table correctly for, for Paul at times. But uh, I always enjoyed his, uh, his wrestling. Okay. Uh, so you might be wondering, fans, where have I been? Uh, I've had some situations on the mass wrestling fan home front. <clears throat> I won't bore you with the details, but uh, I'm going to pledge to do much better with these videos in a timely fashion. I've just had some... Uh, issues and once again the masked man never reveals his own problems it's not your concern uh, don't worry about me i'll be fine but uh, in any event uh the monty and the pharaoh up in uh up in long island doing very well uh, with their interviews uh we've had some great uh, unfortunate losses in our wrestling community recently jj mcguire the great musician going back to last year and others have, have passed away on us. It's been uh, quite sad. Uh, Jerry Jarrett recently passed. He's a, he's a great hero of wrestling, both in, in front of the camera and uh, behind it. Uh, Jerry was a wonderful promoter and uh, just breaks my heart to see him pass on to that big Budokan Hall in the sky. <clears throat> We've had some other, uh, the, one of the Briscoe boys there uh, passed away at a young age in a horrible car accident, so... 
the old mass wrestling fan is still here, still with you. And somehow they haven't found a way to kill me yet, but I'm, I'm sure my day is coming uh, like it is for all of us. But in any event, fans, I hope you have a pleasant uh, day. Uh, genuine fact on the career of Paul Roma. Uh, think about all the contributions he's made to the world of wrestling, and uh, I'll see you next time on Unsung Heroes of, of Wrestling. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the old Monty and the Pharaoh channel, and also uh, my host channel, One Wrestling Fan. <clears throat> one Wrestling Fan. One Wrestling Fan on YouTube. The number one wrestling fan. Uh, YouTube wrestling fan. One wrestling fan. Okay, gentlemen, have a, have a wonderful weekend, or week, or whatever.